chapter number 4. We were looking at this particular passage last week. We've been looking at what the Scripture tells us concerning our forgiveness. We said, my intention is for us to get to Romans chapter 12. Um, Paul's describing here in this passage, and we looked at Colossians as well, uh, and and, uh, we're going to go into chapter 5 here, Lord willing, next time. Uh, But here in this passage, Paul is telling us how we are to behave toward one another, how we are to forgive one another, love one another. And it's, it's that in itself is hard enough. Then he goes to chapter 12 of Romans and says, do good to your enemies. Forgive them. Bless them even. And that's, that's the hardest part of it, right? That's, when we have trouble with this stuff toward one another... It's really hard when you get over to Romans chapter 12. So we're, Lord willing, that's where we're going to get to as we move through these particular passages. And we got down to verse number uh, 29 uh, last week here in chapter 4. And I wanted to cover these last three verses today because there's so much in verse 30 down through verse number 32. Now, beginning in verse 22, back up with me and look there. Paul has already told us to put off to be renewed in our mind and to put on these three things. And Paul uses that in several places. That, that kind of to put off and to put, these are things you're put off, these are things you're put on. You know, he, he does that in several, at least three places that we know of in the scriptures that I can think of right off. But he says here in verse 22, he says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So put off, he says, the old man. That is, again, something we have to do daily. Dying to self. Uh, this, this is the problem that we face. It is the reality of our lives. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 7, because when we are born again, when we have received the salvation that comes in Christ Jesus, there is a new man put in us. And that's not the old man made better, but rather it's a new man. That new man is Christ that is put in us. But the problem is the old man still is. He's still there. He's still residing in us. And so Paul tells us in Romans 7 that there is a a constant battle that goes on within ourselves as the children of God, the old nature against the new. Now, it's it's such a struggle, Paul points out in Romans 7, that too often the old man gets the upper hand. And the reason the old man gets the upper hand is because we are too full of self. Too full of self. And so there it requires in us to put off the old man, as he says here in verse number 22, it requires us to die to self daily. And maybe several times during the day. To put off that old man. And then he says in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says similarly in in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 as well, that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. 
So we put off the old man. We are renewed in the spirit of our mind in the things of God, looking to Him, seeing what it is that we need to do in our service for Him each day, what He has called us to in our daily walk with Him, to, to have that renewed in us every day. And then He says, put on, in verse 24, then that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So put on the new man. And, and then he deals with those specifics. To put away lying and anger, he says, and giving heed to temptation, turning from theft. These are all those things that we looked at last time. And then the corrupt communication. He says, don't let any of that stuff come out of your mouths, as he says there in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then we come to verse 30. He says, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity again to be in your house. We're so thankful, Father, for each one that was able to make it this way today. And we pray, Father, that our hearts and our minds might be turned toward you this morning as we've met together for this time of worship. Father, that you'd help us to do so in spirit and in truth this day. Thankful for the songs that have been lifted up, the Sunday school lessons that have went forward today, Father, the prayers that have been lifted before your throne. We pray even now, Father, for this time of message and time of study, Father, that you might open your word before us and give us understanding of these things, Father, as we look into them, as we see what you have taught us. Father, by your word, that you'd help us to apply these things to our lives, that we might be found faithful servants to your name. Father, for those that are lost and undone and our family and friends, those that are in need of your touch of grace this day, we pray, Father, that you might move on their hearts even this very hour, that you might declare unto them your grace, that they might even this very few moments, Father, proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior this day. Go with us today, Father, as we look to your word. Again, open it before us. Show us, Father, those needs that we have by your word. Show us, Father, by the direction of your spirit how uh, these things need to be repaired in us and where they need to be repaired in us. And we pray, Father, that you would heal us, move on our hearts and, and our souls, Father, this day that we might be drawn closer to you that we might be found faithful servants for your sake. Father, for those many sick that we are lifting up in prayer, we pray that you just be with each one of them. We have so many of our congregation, Father, that is out from us today because of these different ailments and different sicknesses that have come on them and their lives. And we just pray, Father, that you be with each one and give them healing this day. Go with us now as we look to your word. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now, verse 30 again, Paul says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. Obviously, those things that I kind of read through just a moment ago, verse 25 down through verse number 29, these particular sins that Paul says need to be put out from us, these things, as he says in verse 25, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth, and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths. But that which is good to the use of edifying, you may minister grace unto the hearers. These things that he speaks of, obviously when these things are in our lives, we are going to grieve the Spirit of God. These sins that he's telling us to put off, when we are allowing them place in our lives, we are going to grieve the Spirit of God. This is not what God saved us for. This is not what he's called us to as his children. To have wickedness in our lives. To allow a place for sin in our hearts. This is not what God has called us to. It's not what He has saved us for. And when we grieve the Spirit of God, and we grieve Him, let me tell you, we grieve Him. uh, Because He is in us, as the Scripture tells us, that in salvation, in the new birth, the Spirit of God resides in us. He seals us, as Paul says there in verse number 30. And so because He is in us, whenever we have allowed sin in our lives, we're dragging the Spirit of God with us through that. And that is grieving to Him. And not to say that in any way He participates. Not to say in any way He is sinning in that. But the reality is He's in you. And when we allow that sin there in us, it grieves the Spirit of God. It grieves Him. And so when we grieve Him, we break our fellowship with Him. We break our fellowship with Him. The word grieve there means to afflict with sorrow. To afflict with sorrow. To treat someone so as to cause grief. When we allow sin a place in our lives, we are assaulting the Spirit of God. We are salting Him. He is the friend who loves you most intimately. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. And let me tell you, we think we know ourselves, don't we? We think we've got us figured out. We think we know all the intricate details of me, of my heart, 
heart, of my thoughts, of my mind, and we have no idea what lies in the deep recesses of our hearts. Spirit of God does. He knows everything about us. Scripture tells us that when we come to pray, even before the throne of God, and we don't know what to say, when we're so burdened down and we're so sorrowful, whenever we've got such 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 a weight on us, and we don't even know what to say when we come into the presence of God, the Spirit of God prays for us. With groanings that cannot be uttered. He knows you. He knows you intricately. He knows you personally. He knows the most intimate details of your heart. He knows what you don't even know about you. There's no other friend like you. No other friend like you. Don't grieve Him. Don't grieve Him. Don't hurt such a friend as He. But He goes on to tell us here, verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Sealed. Sealed unto the day of redemption. That's until the day we receive our glorified bodies. We're sealed until that day by Him. In other words, there's there's nothing, even in our grieving Him, there is nothing that can remove that seal from you. That's our salvation. There is nothing that can take that from us. We can grieve Him. J. Vernon McGee says we can never grieve Him away. We can never grieve Him away. We're sealed by Him until the day of redemption. This seal that He has put on us, that mark of our salvation in Christ Jesus, this seal distinguishes us from the world. And it is the sure evidence of salvation in us. From the child of God, those who have been born again, we recognize our sin and we recognize the failures that we fail our God in each and every day and we see those things and we scratch our heads and we oh, why? Did I fail in that way? Why did I allow that in my life? Why did I slip up so? Why is it that this is constantly coming at me? It seems, and we, 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 as the children of God, we struggle with that reality because we are all too aware. Because of the Spirit of God residing in us, we are all too aware of the sin that is in us and our hatred for that sin. If you love your sin, if you love your sin, you better examine yourself. Am I truly a child of God? If you love your sin, 
Do you truly have the Spirit of God in you? Examine yourself. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because even we, the children of God, can get so far from the presence of our God, we can strain the fellowship with our God so greatly because of our sin that we can find ourselves liking our sin as well. But that should not, that should not ever be the case. We cannot, praise God, we cannot grieve Him away. We cannot grieve Him away. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then He moves into another list. List of sins that are to be put out from us. Just like those things he was talking about in verse 25 through 29, things that are to be put out and the things that are to be put on there. He gives us another list here in verse 31. Now these particular sins are sins of an emotional nature. And verse 32 are the emotional responses God wants us to have. These are the things He wants to come out of us instead of these things that we find in verse 31. He begins here, verse 31, Let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and Anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word bitterness is an irritable state of mind which produces harsh and hard opinions of others. And it comes from hers. It comes from pain. It comes from those things done against us and the build up of those things in us. It is from an unforgiving heart that bitterness resides in. And that bitterness causes us to, to only see the harsh things about one another. It causes us only to see those, those, those bad things that we've received from each other. Paul says, let all bitterness, let all bitterness be put out from us. And then he says wrath and anger. Those two sound a lot alike, right? I mean, they're, these are both outbursts of passion. Wrath and anger. But there are two different words here. The word wrath is that that blast in the moment. It's that boiling point that we just we just go over, and that's that 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 blast of passion that comes out of us. That is the wrath. And the anger is 
is the word for the anger there is the word that, that's, that's the chronic reality of our soul. It's just constantly there. It's just always anger. That comes. That comes naturally with the bitterness. When the bitterness is there, the anger is right there with it. And so it's a chronic working of these two things against the soul of the child of God. And it's, 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 it's reframing our thoughts, it's reframing our hearts, it's changing our love one for another. It's just, a, it's just a constant working there of these things against one another, against those around us. And so that anger is that chronic, that chronic passion that just, oh, that just constantly is grating against us. And then when the wrath comes, that's when we get to that, that boiling point and just overflow with it, you see. And so Paul says, what all bitterness, wrath, and anger, these things be put out from us. And clamor is the next thing he speaks of. That is... That is one's bold assertion of supposed rights and grievances that must be taken care of. These are my rights. These are how I am to be treated. These are what I expect from everyone else. You must honor these things for me. That's what clamor is. Paul is hitting us pretty hard here. Because the reality is, we all have these things. We can hold on to bitterness. I mean, we hold on to that stuff. We can hold on to our anger. We sit there and brew in that, don't we? And I just, I can't believe. I can't believe they treated me. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they acted that way toward me. Well, have you gone to them told them how? No, I'm not going to go tell them how they offended me. They should know. They should be able to see it on my face. And we're still blaming the others. And we all do this. We all, we all hold on to those things. The bitterness, the wrath, the anger. The clamor. Don't get me wrong. We shouldn't mistreat one another. We shouldn't say the wrong things. We shouldn't do things against each other. We, we should not, we should not hurt one another. That's not alright. And Paul's not speaking from a one-sided perspective here. It's not right for us to hurt one another. It's not right for us to say the wrong thing. It's not right for us to hurt each other's feelings. It's not right for us to mistreat one another. It's not right. But the problem is, every last one of you people are sinners. Every last one of you, including me, and we are going to hurt one another. 
And we are going to say the wrong thing. And we are going to mess up. And we are going to say the stupid thing at the wrong time. We're going to do that. That is the reality of it. It's not right. It's not good. But it's the simple fact. And what Paul is calling us to here in this passage of Scripture is for us as the children of God to rise above those hurts and forgive. To forgive. But in order to do that, as he says in verse number 32, we've got to let go of those other things. We've got to not just let go. He speaks more violently. Paul says, put it off. Put it off. Don't allow it to play. Don't give it a place in your life. Don't give it a place in your heart. Don't let that bitterness stay there. Don't let that clamor stay there. Don't let that that anger and that wrath stay there. Put it out. Put it out from them. He says evil speaking is the next thing. Well, naturally, if we are bitter... If we are angry and wrathful and demanding that our speaking our clamor, demanding the we're going to speak evil. I mean, that's just these things just roll together. They just roll together. The evil speaking is the same word is often used in regards to blasphemy. Blasphemy, to blaspheme God, that's evil speaking. But it also here in this context, it, it, it's speaking of all sorts of slander, especially toward the people of God, is what he's in reference to here. And so it's slandering one another. And then malice, he says. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Put it away from you. Oh, with all malice. Get rid of that stuff too. J. Vernon McGee calls that congealed hatred. And I thought that's a pretty good explanation of what malice is. Congealed hatred. And that's exactly what all of these things will produce in us when we allow them a place in our hearts. It will eventually come out as hatred. Hatred. Paul says, put it out from you. And that that tells us here Put, be put away from you. That tells us that we, as the children of God, must make a decision as the children of God that we are not going to allow these sins in our lives. To decide. Lord, I don't want this in me. I don't want to hang on to this anymore. I don't want to be bitter. I don't, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be wrathful. I don't want to be clamorous. I don't want to be speaking evil. But I don't want this hatred in me, Lord. Put it out from me. 
It's a decision for us as the children of God. We, Lord, I don't want this in me any longer. But we will not allow these sins in our lives. Then verse 32. Be ye kind. Be ye kind one to another. This be ye. Be ye is a radical transformation from verse 30. Because all of those things in verse 30 will not allow you to be kind one to another. And so these things have to be put out from us. These things have to be taken from us. These things, these things cannot be given a place in our lives so that we can be kind one to another. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8. First Peter 3 and verse 8. And you can go on down through verse 9 as well as he speaks to these very same issues. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Be all of one mind having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing that ye are there unto called. Now, the Lord's prescription to us in this is somewhat counterintuitive. It's the very thing that he's saying in Romans chapter 12. It's the same thing he's saying <coughs> excuse me, in this context, one with another. That we are to overcome evil by doing good to one another. We're to overcome this bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking. We're, and all mouths, we're to overcome that, those things, by being kind one to another. Even to the point that we'll get to there in Romans 12, even for our enemies. Even for our enemies. True faith, true faith produces true courteousness or politeness. True faith 
does not make us crabbed and coarse and sour or intemperate. If these things are in us, that is not from the Lord. Nowhere, nowhere do we read in our Lord's writing, nowhere do we read in Paul's writing, nowhere in Peter's or James or Jude, nowhere in the Gospels, nowhere do we see the Lord say, you be as mean and ornery as you can be in this situation. Nowhere do we say, we hear Him say, you just on this, this particular deal right here, you just be as sour as you can be. You have a right to right here. Because they, they should not, you have a right to be as salty to that individual as you need to be. We don't see that anywhere, I mean nowhere in God's deliverance of His Word for us. Nowhere do we find that. And so if that's the attitude we have in us, if we find that in our hearts, be assured that did not come from the Spirit of God. That's just for me. That's from that old nature that we have to die to. And all, be assured, those things are going to be there. Those things are going to be there. We're going to be sour, and we're going to be crabby, and we're going to be angry, and we're going to be mad, and we're going to be, we're going to be uh, injurious to those around us when we get out of whack. But there's not an excuse for it. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Be ye kind. Be ye kind one to another. Colossians chapter 3, Paul says there in verse number 12, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. Put on charity. Be ye kind one to another. Now our kindness, our kindness that Paul is calling us to is not to be hollow-hearted or fake. We're good at that. I mean, we're really good at that. We can, we can put on a show of kindness when we need to. Because we know what it's supposed to look like. We know what it's supposed to sound like. 
We, we, we know exactly, I mean, mommy and daddy taught us well growing up. This is how you put that smile on your face. Don't you dare look mean at that person when they say whatever they're going to say to you. You be nice to them. And we know how to, we know how to put on the front, don't we? Paul's not calling us to that. He's not talking about putting on a mask. He's telling us to be kind one to another. Actually, actually be kind one to another. That kindness then must come out of a true love one for another. It has to be based on that. That put on charity, as he says there in Colossians chapter 3. It has to be out of that, you see. That love that we have from our Lord. In our kindness, we are to seek to know each other and care for one another's person. Not to make each other what we want each other to be but to love each other for who we are and encourage and strengthen and love one another as we are, as we, who we are. Kind, be ye kind. Be ye tender-hearted, he says. A heart, tender-hearted is a heart disposed to pity and compassion for one another. Especially, especially in the face of the faults of the air, brother. To be tender-hearted toward them anyway in their failures. This is what he's calling us to. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another is his next statement. We are to forgive rather than to magnify the faults of others. These things are to be done on a twofold basis. One, because we do not want to grieve the Spirit of God. And number two, for what he says in this last statement there in verse number 32, because God has forgiven us. That's the reason he's calling us to it. The reason this is, this is such difficult stuff that Paul is calling us to as the children of God. It's the reason these things that are so hard for us to do, he is saying this is what we need to do. Because we're not to grieve the Spirit of God. And because God has loved us. And He's forgiven so much more. So much more than you and I have ever forgiven. So much more. I mean, God has forgiven you of sins you don't even know about. That have not registered in your brain. That have never even come out of you, but they're there in you and they're just stirred up inside your heart and your mind. You don't even recognize God has forgiven you. He has forgiven you of so much more than you are ever called to forgive yourself. 
He has forgiven you freely without merit on your part. He has forgiven you fully. He has forgiven every offense, both past, present, and even the ones that you're going to do tomorrow. He's already forgiven you of them. He has fully forgiven you. And He has liberally forgiven you. Because your sins are innumerable. And you start looking at the sins of your brethren. And you might come up with a long list. All the hurts, all the pains, all the sorrows. I mean, you can have a long list of them. And you, you, you can probably write them down and, and take several pages. Maybe fill up a notebook. Yours can't be numbered by you. Yours can't be numbered by you. Spurgeon put it in, in concerning, he was asked the question if we could lose our salvation. And he says, if, if it were possible that a sheep could fall away, if it were possible that a sheep of God could fall away, he says, alas, this fickle, feeble soul would fall 10,000 times a day. And he shot low. He shot low. We can't even begin to fathom all the wickednesses our Lord has forgiven us. And so he says... Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In forgiveness, we're not to bring up those old offenses or charge them again and again with those things. In forgiveness, what we're saying in forgiveness is I'm never going to lay this at your door again. I'm never going to bring up this charge against you again. That's what forgiveness is. There's a lot of times we say, I forgive. But that forgiveness only lasts until the next time they make you mad. And then suddenly, you've forgotten the forgiveness. Suddenly, you bring up that offense again. But now you've got another one to add on to it, you see. And so you're starting to make a list. And that'll go for a while. And, well, no, I forgive them. Lord, Lord, I forgive them. And it'll last again until the next time they do something else. And then, well, it's this, this, and this. And we bring up those charges again. That's not forgiveness. That's not the forgiveness that God has for us. He tells us He has cast our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Or east-west. 
backwards here. As far as the east is from the west. You know what we find? Living on this sphere of a globe, the world's not flat, people. We are, we are on a sphere. And what we find on the sphere of this globe that we live on, it does not matter how far you go east, you never get west. Or how far you go west, you never get east. That's how God has cast our sins from us. They're never more, never more to be remembered before His throne. Forgiven, cast out, no longer held against us at all. Oh, we hold them against ourselves. We hold them against ourselves. We, do, we, we look at our failures all the time. We look at our sins all the time. And, and they get us down. And they, they make us feel depressed about what we've done and what we've allowed in our lives. We, we see that our failures and we are shamed and we feel that guilt. And, and we hang on to those feelings. And, and we hate what we've done to ourselves and to others. And it just, it just continually tears us down as long as we're hanging on to those things. But God does not do that for us. Never again are they brought up before His throne. They are cast away from us. Oh, the wonder of God's forgiveness. And Paul says, you do the same thing for each other. You do the same thing for each other because that's what God has done for you. This call to forgiveness and kindness and tenderheartedness is not about us simply enduring one another. It's not just about us getting along. It's about us loving one another. And desiring, desiring God's best for each other. That's what this is about. Desiring God's best for each other. Even when it's not best for us. And that's hard. That's hard. But it's what God has called us to. Because He has forgiven us. Because He has forgiven us. So where do you stand? Where do you stand today? What are these things? Maybe all of them. That you need to put on. What of these things do you need to put on? 
Where do you stand this day? Because God has called us to such a high standard of love one for another. Do you have Christ Jesus today? You won't be able to put any of those things off that Paul says to put off. You won't be able to put on any of those things he says to put on if you don't have Christ Jesus. Because one, you won't have the heart to do it. Number two, you won't have the ability and strength to do it. It is only in Christ. Do you have Him? If you can believe this day, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For He alone is Savior. He alone is King. He alone can take from you your sin and make you His own. Believe on Him this day. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, you bring us a song.